Welcome to the Endpoints Podcast, presented by the ALS Therapy Development Institute. I'm Jonathan Gang. At ALS TDI, our mission is to find effective treatments for ALS. Often, that involves trying to invent new drugs of our own, but it can also mean trying to see if treatments developed by others are promising. To do this, we perform something called replication studies trying to recreate and optimize the experiments performed by other researchers to confirm that their results were accurate. This process is known as validation in the context of drug discovery. Today on Endpoints, we're joined by ALS TDI CEO Dr. Steve Perrin, who tells us about the importance of replication and validation in the drug discovery process and what we're doing to test promising drug candidates that originated outside of our lab. So just to start, what does it mean to replicate or validate a study? Uh, Jonathan, that's a really great question. And, and replication is the key to any scientific experiment. I think we start to learn that as early as high school, that uh, replicating uh, data is really critical. And replicating it across multiple labs is also really important in the context of drug discovery and drug development. So replicating means that when another lab or, or even somebody within your lab identifies a finding, you want to try to recreate that experiment as closely and as carefully as you can. Like every single condition, be it cell lines or be it animal models, you want the models to be as close as you can. You want to try to get the exact same drug. You want to formulate it or dissolve it the same. You want to administer it in the same concentrations with the same frequency and route of administration. You want to monitor the animals as closely as the, the other study did so that you're truly trying to really make an identical study from a replication standpoint. And then validate is really the interpretation of that data. Did the second experiment validate the findings of the first one? If it did perfectly, that's outstanding and a little unusual. Um, did it not validate it or replicate it at all so that your findings don't match whatsoever? Or most typically, you end up somewhere in the middle. Uh, it might closely replicate it, but it's not perfect. Um, or maybe it just didn't work quite as effectively, and then you have to try to understand how and why. And so replication could lead to multiple times trying to replicate the experiment, not just a single time. And uh, why is this important specifically in drug discovery? It's really important in drug discovery because this is the front end of the process, and even though from a financial perspective, it's incredibly expensive, and I can throw out a couple of numbers. It's the cheapest part of the process. I mean, a good set of replication studies in cell-based systems, you know, cost tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars. To replicate multiple times good quality studies in animal models cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to a million dollars, and those numbers sound big. But when you compare that cost to what it would take to say, geez, this drug could be really impactful and powerful for a patient community, let's bring it into clinical studies. Those are hundreds of millions of dollars of studies to get a drug out of the lab and through the complicated and lengthy process of seeing if it actually works in people. So getting it right up front is really critical in regards to drug discovery and drug development. And specifically uh, at ALS TDI, uh, what kind of replication studies do we perform? 
So we try to replicate anything that we see published in the ALS space that we feel that we have the expertise and capability to do so. So that could be cell-based experiments. It could be animal experiments. We tend to be really um, comprehensive in regards to trying to replicate animal experiments in particular. And that's because we kind of view animal experiments being the gateway into that decision of should a drug enter clinical development for ALS. Uh, so that's where we spend most of our ep- efforts in replication. And, and as a nonprofit, it's, it's really important and it's great that that's our mission to go ahead and leverage dollars to make sure that we can replicate data and that a study actually looks good. So that's where, where we focus most of our validation replication efforts is in the animal model space. And um, when we go out and decide to replicate a study, what are the criteria that we would look for to be like, we want to try to replicate these results? Yeah, so we carefully look at the published data uh, as best we can. We often contact the authors. In fact, I would say 99% of the time, we'll reach out to the authors to really get a good understanding about what their findings were. They'll often be very open and share unpublished data that didn't end up in the manuscript. Often there's page limitations on how much data you can actually put into a a publication. And usually folks are really good about sharing that stuff, making sure that we have access to the identical drug. Either sometimes they'll give us the identical drug. Sometimes we have to make it on our own. Um, Making sure that we understood how they dosed it, how they formulated it. Formulation is really important because every formulation has different types of salts and other things to stabilize the drug in liquid form before you put it into the animal we make sure we understand how frequently the drug was given, uh, what the route of administration was. Is it an IV infusion? Is it inhaled? Is it orally available? You know, literally every single aspect of the study design needs to be locked down and understood. And if you can't control a variable, that's sometimes okay, but you need to document that so that if the interpretation or the validation at the end isn't perfect, you might be able to go back to those things that you couldn't quite replicate and try to identify why something may be different than the original experiment. What happens if we find flaws in the process or the results of the original study? Every, so, so when we think about experimental design, there's never a perfect experimental design. I mean, animal models to begin with don't replicate or or look exactly like the human disease. They're models of the human disease. And and some of our animal models of human diseases are very good. And some of them are pretty crude. But if you use them as a tool and you know what their pluses and minuses are, uh, it's okay to use an animal model as a tool. So every every scientific experiment, even in animals, will quote unquote, maybe the word flawed isn't perfect, but maybe the design's not perfect. It's as good as we can get it based on what we're trying to do. I mean, even studies in in humans aren't perfect. Clinical trial designs are never perfect, but we try to do the best we can to be able to interpret the data out the back end. So if we see see something that looks exciting in the literature and we don't think the design was perfect, we might not try to exactly replicate it, right? We might look at it and go, you know, this data looks interesting, but they only did four animals per group. But we're going to do, you know, 16 animals per group. They didn't balance the genders in this study. We're going to go ahead and and balance the gender. So right out of the gate, we will often not completely replicate a study that we we don't feel was perfectly designed. Right out of the gate, we're going to make sure if we're going to spend 
the money on trying to see if a drug works. We're going to design the best experiment we can. So I guess, you know, going back to your first question about replicate, we don't try to replicate designs that aren't perfect. If we like the drug, we like what the drug is supposed to do, and we think the data might be believable, our goal is to see if we can actually validate the data. If we do a better design or, or the best design that we can do, does it actually slow down disease and improve survival or do something else in the model that we think might be worthy of clinical development? And what exactly happens when we validate a study, you know, if we find the results seem to be accurate? Yeah, so I, we talked, it's a great question. We, we've talked a little bit earlier on, on the podcast about, you know, there's gray area, there's perfect validation, and there's negative validation. I'm going to argue that negative validation occurs more frequently in our hands than any other thing. Than perfect validation is incredibly rare. Non-validation is incredibly common. And then you get a bunch of stuff in the middle that you kind of don't know what to do with it. If we can't replicate something and we think we've done a very good design and we're really confident that we executed the experiment accurately, you know, we call it, we, we call it dead horse at dead horse. And we sometimes publish negative data. We've published a lot of negative data in the course of the history of ALS-TDI going back to 1999 you know, we've tried to replicate probably 500 plus studies in animal models of ALS, and the vast majority of them, you know, hundreds and hundreds, we could not come close to even replicating or validating the same findings that were published. And we, we published those things. You know, drugs like cyclosporin didn't work in our hands. Uh, you know, the, the list is probably pretty long. We have replicated a few things. There are things that you know, we brought into the lab and we may have been even been a little skeptical, but, you know, lo and behold, they work. Things like antisense molecules that target SOD1, you know, multiple groups have published that and we think that they work quite well too, as long as it's a good designed antisense and it's dosed correctly. Uh, gene therapies uh, that target SOD1 and the SOD1 animal model work very good in our hands, especially if the um, AAV vectors, one that gets into the CNS, like AAV nines and tens. One that was very surprising that worked for us was uh, a small molecule, orally available drug that, that you can uh, dose orally was uh, copper ATSM, published by uh, groups in Oregon State and Australia. When we brought that in, we were a little skeptical that it would work, and lo and behold, it, it worked as advertised and maybe even a little bit better because we did some optimization of the design and we did some different dose escalations and you know lo and behold that that class of drugs has worked quite well in our hands and then there's all the things in the gray area we don't replicate either the amount of impact that they claimed it might even be marginal and non-statistically significant we tend to not really pursue those unless we think we can improve on it we tend to say look we tried to validate that it didn't validate in our hands and we move on to the next opportunity because you could end up spending a lot of time and resources trying to, you know, validate and replicate a study and, and really never get to that point. So if we think we put our best foot forward and it falls in that gray area, we often, we often don't try to replicate it. Are there any particular issues that we commonly find in others' studies uh, when we're trying to validate I think the most common issue, if we want to use the word issue, and it's a good word, it's an accurate word, is, is mostly driven by economics more so than intent. Um, it's expensive to run good experiments, and it's, it's often time-consuming, especially 
if you're using animal models, it can be time-consuming and expensive. A single, a single set of efficacy studies in the SOG animal model could take over a year. And in the context of a graduate student doing an experiment at the bench, they, you know, it's often hard for them to commit the time and financial resources to, to do the study design that we think is optimal. So I think when we see um, issues with the design, it's mostly driven by economics that they just couldn't afford to do enough animals per group. Their breeding colony couldn't give them a balanced male-female ratio. Um, maybe they couldn't get the perfect drug because it was too expensive. So they, they used an analog of the drug, which might not have quite the same activity and potency as the drug that they could have used if, they, if it wasn't an economic decision. Um, it's, it's things like that. So, so that's why we, when we see something we think might be interesting, we don't think about the economics as much being a nonprofit. Our mission is to do the best experiment that we can. So we'll go out and get the better analog. And, you know, we might optimize the dosing a little bit upfront of doing uh, an efficacy experiment to make sure we understand how we should be dosing the drugs. We make these little tweaks on trying to improve it. But most of the issues are, are economic issues that, that academia sometimes has a hard time getting around. To find out more about ALS-TDI's research to find effective treatments for ALS, visit us at als.net. Thanks to Dr. Steve Perrin for taking the time to speak with us today, and thank you for listening. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please email us at endpoints at als.net.